Welcome to the dark forest. Jackie and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsession will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the dark forest and dark down for a Welcome to the Dork Forest. Jackie Cation here. You know the websites, JackieCation.com, DorkForest.com. There's a merch page. There's a brand new Dork Forest t-shirt. Very exciting stuff. Brett Chambers uh, designed it, and it's really it's really cool, and it's available in brown and green. And then, of course, there's a Ranger t-shirt, which uh, is the logo, and super fun, as dorky things coming out of the forest. And with every order, you get a magnet. If you already have a magnet and you're ordering the new shirt, tell me. I have uh, nonsense sitting around that could be your trinket. Yeah, sent somebody uh, an Armed Forces Entertainment luggage tag the other day. I have some nonsense, is what I'm saying, some swag from previous uh, events. So, you, But you can have a magnet, too, if you want, if you want another magnet. But um, if you just want a magnet, send me $2. Just donate $2. Speaking of which, there's a donation button. Knock yourselves out. Some of you have, and I appreciate it. Uh, but uh, cashews and uh, audio guys on the road? Not free, turns out, so feel free to throw some money. And, uh, oh, by the way, if you want a hooded sweatshirt with the new Dork Forest thing on it, you can order one, and I'm not going to keep them in stock. Uh, note to self, you're pre-ordering. In other news, uh, <laughs> the credits. Patrick Brady is going to fix this audio, and he's going to have to because it's a little buzzy. I don't know why. Why is it buzzy? But, uh, yeah, Patrick Brady's going to fix the audio. Vilmos just redid the website and is going to redo uh, more pages of it, JackieCation.com. And uh, Mike Rickberg just sang the song you heard, and he'll sing again at the end. Sitting across from me, finally, finally, we're done. Almost two, sec- two minutes of uh, announcements. Tom Frank, welcome to the program. Welcome back. Thank you. It's great to be here. It's been far too long. It has been a lot. You were in the pre-recorded times. i got to find the episode and link it because it was action. You, twice you've been on. Yeah, you had me on twice, and one hour was not enough to uh, tell the story of uh, and it the won't toy be that again. I was looking for. Yeah, yeah, and it won't be again. And I think I had you on when I had Owen on from uh, – it was back when you people could call. It was uh, Ollie. Uh, it was Barter. Ollie. Yes. Ollie Barter, yeah. yeah. And the game designer uh, did the – the runaround zombie shooter for the PS network and uh, a real uh, robot expert. Yeah, that um, guy, Ollie Barter. Yeah, I, I was skeptical. You know, I was ready to like call him a poser, and he absolutely was not. You no, know? no, that guy rose to the occasion. Yeah, yeah, as as and and the and the in between you doing your first show, which was about. What was the, what's the name of the the fanciest robot in the world? That's the a, fanciest. We, we it was it was very rare. Yes. It was um, uh, an enemy of Mazinga Z. Yes. Uh, this was in the Jumbo Machinder toy line, and it was called Garada K7. And From I, what year? Uh, 1973. Okay. And uh, I won it in 2006. It, it's now the what's that six year anniversary right. of me acquiring this toy, and not a single. Uh, new specimen has been found. The number of the that was the last one to have been found. The total number on the planet are it remains three, and uh, one <laughs> is awesome. one is in a museum, and the other one uh, went up for auction uh, earlier this year. The offer they wanted eight million yen for it. Um, I don't think that they got that. It, the, the auction had zero bids, okay. but then it was pulled when it was relisted. So it's my guess that a private um, offer was made. Um, so we don't know what it sold for, but I assume it did sell. Um, right, because you know, uh, eight million. What is eight million yen? 
$105,000? Holy high heaven. That's what it was at the time when, you know, the the, uh, the exchange rate that day. I okay. remember looking yeah, at yeah. it. So I don't so it didn't sell for that, but right. I assume it left one collector's hands and went to another collector's hands for possibly fifty thousand dollars in cash. Something like that. Right. Holy uh, who knows? Yeah. And uh, and you had sold a um, a movie, which is why you got to get yours. Um, You'd sold a script. I'd sold a script years before. It right. Was, it was definitely not the screenplay money that paid for. Oh, really? The, because uh, I, when you today. told the story, that was the impression I got. But that's, I mean, you get to buy whatever you want, obviously. And uh, you and your and, wife and together. Not made of money. No, no. Yeah. Nobody has made it. <laughs> nobody implies. that. So that was the first time we, we talked. And then mm-hmm. the second time was with Ollie Barter. And it was all robots all the time. Mm-hmm. And you guys, I was I was just going, scrambling, going, what? what what's happening? And it was mm-hmm. awesome. And then we've also done some stand-up shows. My it's a great story, the Comic-Con show that you uh, that you put together. For, mm-hmm. for l- l- Let's tell people, by the way, that you do stand-up comedy, and mm-hmm. you do uh, comicsandcomics.net, yes. and it's spelled A-N-D, yes. and it's all one word. Mm-hmm. And it's stand-up comedy, point. and it's in regard to stand-up comics and comic books. Yeah, and it's all geeky, and we just got back from the Boston Comic-Con, right? Um, and we performed the show there, and it was great. And they have a, a festival that immediately follows the Boston Comic-Con um, in Cambridge called Geek Week, and uh, we got to open the festival there, um, <laughs> and that awesome. was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's a, and where the you were like, hey, we're gonna do a stand-up show on the floor of Comic Con in San Diego, and I gave you plenty of time to say no. Oh, plenty of time, yeah. and I was just like, because it made me laugh so hard. To, the idea of me just shouting at people as they walk by, come back and hear my Dune joke. No, <laughs> seriously, and uh, and you closed it and you destroyed. People still talk. My friends still talk about that. You know, I'd say forty people were there at the, when we started the show, yep. and there was a couple hundred when we finished. I yep. mean, people because were, it was just a booth and people crowded around. Yeah, we had a little stage, but. But um, people yep. were paying attention, and it, it worked. You know, it was you, a raised stage with just a mic and a sort of a Mister microphone, but a decent sized speaker. Yep. And it and it a couple hundred people watched. Yeah, it was a great time. You know, you never know what to expect. You know, from any gig. Yep. Um, and this definitely fell into that mystery zone, um, but it, it turned out to be wonderful. Yeah, you know? it was really it was really fun, and I tell people about it because because other people have tried to do stand up at Comic Con and mm-hmm. they haven't been able to do it at the convention center. They've done it uh, like last year or the year before, I think. Like Chris Hardwick and, and Pat Oswalt and those guys uh, mm-hmm. started doing shows at bars and theaters around there. Yeah, there's like 4th and G uh, is a big venue there, and I know Patton does that every year. Yeah, yeah. and it's, I mean, I think, uh, but I think ground floor goes to one Tom Frank. <laughs> CK, by the way. Ground zero, yeah. Ground, yeah, ground zero. So, so we're, we're, you emailed me and you were like, uh, I got I got robots I, I got robot sketches on the mind and it's a lot of art and holy crap I just called Andy to find out the name of this artist and I've completely forgotten what it was. Do you remember what it was? It was Randy A something. Oh, the name of the artist o- of this yeah. of, of this uh, of, this of these two yeah yeah the two Randy uh, O'Neill maybe yes I think so okay A O'Neill I think I will. Um, it's the uh, the artist from Starfire, <laughs> I was told, and uh, so I'll, I'll put it in the notes. It'll all work out. But uh, so let's talk. Let's talk uh, robot art. Um, you know, as you may have surmised from our initial uh, conversation here, the toy robot market is getting pretty crazy. And, yeah. you know, the pieces that I was looking for are just 
um, going for more money than I'm comfortable spending, and they're very rare. And there is a collector in Italy who is really thwarting my existence. Oh, really? Yes. You know, something will come up. And a lot of this stuff isn't even in Japan anymore. It's obscure. Um, but people went, because you went to Japan initially. I went to Japan day. seven times. Right, to, to look, look for, for toys. And the Internet really provides no clear advantage of being in Japan anymore because people put stuff up on auction sites and there are services where you can bid uh, on something in another country and there are local agents there who will receive it and then mail it to you. You know, a lot of uh, auction sellers aren't comfortable shipping overseas, but you can bypass that with all of these services. You okay. Know? Um, so, uh, you know, everywhere in the world there are these toy robots and a lot of these are outside of Japan now. And, you know, there's this mad collector in Italy who is really just... What is that person's name, if we might be able to... Darth, what's his handle? Darth Chris. Is his Darth name. Chris is yeah. his handle on yeah. eBay or, or, or everywhere, no, probably? I mean, well, you, there's no more handles on eBay. Okay. On eBay, they removed that because they wanted to stop people from making side offers because eBay wants commission on everything. If you are able to, you know, the, the, the more identification that you have okay. with this person, the more able you are to contact Them you know, buyers and sellers directly okay. and make a side deal. And, you know, eBay will try and say, hey, you know, you don't have the protection of eBay or, you know, Yahoo right. Japan or something <laughs> like that. But you're also not paying those commissions right. you know, that eBay would normally collect. Um, what is the commission on eBay? Do they it varies do? on what the closed price is. You know, there's okay. an insertion fee if you want to add extra pictures. Okay. You know, there's more stuff. They nickel and dime you from, in the beginning, but it's not that bad. And yeah, then at the, there's then, the back end. Yeah, there's also PayPal fees if you were trying to pay by PayPal. So uh, when you're dealing with stuff that's expensive, you know, even small percentages of the overall cost. Right. If, if you, you spend $10,000 on something. Yeah, I mean, most things aren't $10,000. Right. You know, most things are, you know, a hundred dollars or, right. you know, a thousand dollars for some of this rare stuff. But, um, you know, I see a lot of auctions just, you know, if there's anything that I'm interested in, uh, uh, you know, I'm perhaps overstating this, <laughs> but I have had a number of cases where uh, I'm just going to see what this auction closes at and I want to bid at the end and I'll say, OK, I'll do this much. And the auction will always uh, close before the time runs out and the seller will say the item is no longer available for sale. And most of the time that is because Darth Chris has made an offer personally and told them to end the auction. Um, <laughs> and it, it feels, it's kind of feel like the guy's a lot following of you. And um, you know, he's, he's very obsessive and that's fun. You know, I have plenty of these toys. Sure. I haven't uh, acquired any new ones in quite a while. Right. Um, so, you know, that sort of frustration and me being at a place in my collecting where I don't want to spend that type of money anyway. Right. And um, there's not a whole lot left. You know, I have a ton of these already. Okay. You know? Yeah. Um, I'm not anxious to being greedy. That, you know, is sort of one of the reasons that I wound up getting involved in this project that I'm about to talk to you about. Yeah. Um, you know, as is very clear, I'm a big robot guy. Right. Um, and what draws you to the robot, Tom Frank? 
What makes you it? Is, is it the fact that it might be a sentient machine? Is that what it is? You know, it's like, you know, nature nurture. I think yeah. I was just born liking robots. Fair you know, enough. I, I don't remember a time where I didn't like them. I don't remember a light bulb going off. Do you like a, do you like a humanoid one or do you like a boxy one? Well, uh, that's a good question. You know, r- robot aesthetics is a pretty big question. Is it? For, for me. You okay. Know, there's a lot of aesthetics that I like. Um, you know, the, the Japanese robots from the 70s are the ones that I like the most. You right. Know, I do have um, fondness for sort of retro 50s style Robbie the Robot stuff. Okay, yeah. Um, I really like the design of the Iron Giant. Okay. Um, I like the design of uh, the big guy that Jeff Darrow came up with for a TV series called uh, The Big Guy and Rusty the Boy Robot. Okay. Um, uh, but, you know, my my tastes tend to go Japanese. Which are boxy, right? Which are the uh, uh, smaller box, middle box? Uh, sort of, well, I would say uh, uh, super robot aesthetics because when you get to the 80s, uh, and you're dealing with more combining or gatai robots and okay. uh, transformers, you know, yeah. is a big thing. That sort of seems, uh, uh, I prefer simpler design than that. Okay. Um, by and large. Okay. Um, but, you know, one thing that I am definitely drawn to are, I believe there are different aesthetics for heroic robots, you know, that are the good guys in yeah. stories versus evil robots, you know, the bad guys, right. the good robots have to fight. And I believe there's a lot more variation and sort of wide openness in evil robots. Oh, you right, know, a heroic robot kind of has to be a biped all the time, okay. has to have a face. You have to be able to identify it with a little more. Oh. There's a narrower um, you know, number of characteristics that they have to follow. Okay. Whereas evil robots, if it doesn't have a, you know, it could look like the Omnidroid in The Incredibles. The okay. Omnidroid is a wonderful evil robot. Yeah, yeah. And you know? kind of spidery looking or, um, cause it had a lot of arms, if I remember correctly, right? Mm-hmm. And so it can be insectoid. It can be, it can be, it can look like an animal. It could look Spikes, like nothing. horns, yeah. Yeah. You know, no mouth. No mouth. You know, you, it's, um, you know, well, I suppose people would say Optimus Prime. There is that look that you can get away without a mouth. Right. But, you know, uh, that's easier to pull off with an evil robot. No mouth, no eyes even. You know, right. just, just a mouth and no eyes. Looks, you know, scary. That's, yeah, that's pretty creepy looking. Mm-hmm. That's a bad guy. I can tell that <laughs> even from the description. You know that that, uh, that green trunk right there has uh, all of Andy's Transformers in it. Uh, and then in the uh, in the other room uh, is where his Micronauts are. So uh, Okay, well, we got a lot to talk about exactly. in we'll, terms we'll, of that. Yeah, yeah, you guys can you, you can go look at them, you know, when we're done, if, okay. if you want. And uh because you, you like you like micro he likes um like that that Spider Man hanging up there mm-hmm. he likes it when they're um they're super bendy what uh what, what's the Articul- term points Articula- of articulation yeah yes. the points of articulation are very big to him mm-hmm. uh, Zevos were um well were, were big ones for him for a while you know my sort of theory on that is they are fun to play with yeah but they lose something in what I call the army aesthetic. Of when there is a shelf full of them, okay. you know, like real McFarlane figures are, you know, wonderfully detailed, you know, um, fun to bang around. They move in all sorts of fun, different directions. But when you put a whole bunch of them on one shelf, it just sort of becomes this mass of detail that okay. sort of gets lost and in, uh, in 
itself. You right. know, it's sort of blurry. Well, Whereas, Matt, Matt Weinhold has, has shelves and shelves and shelves of, of action figures and kind of statue kind of ones that mm-hmm. are not articulated. Yeah, I mean, the 70s definitely had sort of a, a simpler, more static pose yeah. to action figures and robots. Um, whereas starting in the 90s or even the 80s, uh, you, you got into more gimmick-based toys, you know, where articulation, um, transforming was right. obviously a big thing, combining, yep. and uh, so it's just a different look. Yeah, it's a totally different, and I think he likes he likes the idea that you can pose them mm-hmm. in, in, in different ways, and yeah. he only has... And when I say only, I mean he only has a couple hundred, uh, <laughs> and they are spread all over the place. And I think about dusting, and then I think about why doesn't he dust? Yeah. So that's uh, that. That's the process of that thought process. Anyway. Yeah, you're um, not on the road for eight weeks, so you can come back and dust. <laughs> Yeah. Right, it's not my idea of a good time, but uh, I also don't like dust. Uh, but and then somebody gave him that Venture Brothers one that's still in the plastic. Nice. Which whenever I see it, all I can think is, how does he breathe in there? MOC mint on card. Mint on card. Yeah, it's sitting in the it's sitting in the packaging. So, but I think he just because he doesn't think that it's it's superposable that he's fine leaving it in the card. That he won't leave it in there. Wow. So if it's super articulated, he's he's got to take it out and he's got to fiddle with it. You know, there's a famous uh, story about uh, Star Wars action figures, and I hope I didn't talk about this in a previous episode. There was a, no the, the first release of the Jawa action figure had a vinyl cape, which looked silly, you know, and awkward. Yeah. And then they replaced it with a cloth cape that actually went over the action figure, which is more accurate to you know Star what Wars. What it looked like, yeah. Yeah, well, to what it looked like, and then. Um, so the, the vinyl cape Jawa is incredibly rare and very expensive. And uh, there was a collector uh, who paid a ton of money to get a mint-on-card uh, vinyl cape Jawa. And then, you know, the, the problem is, is that the Obi-Wan cape, there was a big case of forgeries going around where people would take an Obi-Wan cape, which is a slightly different shade, but is pretty close to the, the vinyl cape of the Jawa, right. and then cut it a certain number of millimeters and then oh. put it on the figure and then forge a vinyl cape loose, you know, not mint in card figure. Right. So that was a big concern. So obviously, and, you know, this has been corrected by and large because people will point out the different shades of the Obi-Wan cape versus the Jawa cape. But there was a big time where there was forgeries of vinyl caped loose figures. And this guy paid a ton of money for a mint on card vinyl caped Jawa and then opened it up because he wanted to play with it on the shelf, which really destroyed the value of it. Right, right, because there are people that really, you know, that's all they want. They just want it to stay in the car, in the case. And Now, what what about this other thing that happens with action figures where people take different action figures to make characters that don't exist? Yeah, customizing. Is it, is it, okay. It's customizing or scratch building. Okay. Customizing would be... Like there's no Ant-Man or whatever. Well, or, there is an Ant-Man. Well, now, okay, so now there's an Ant-Man. But, I mean, well, th- there's the character you want from some TV mm-hmm. show or comic book doesn't exist. So you cannibalize from other different action figures and create it, correct? Correct. And people make molds of parts, you know, okay. for like a sword or something like that. They'll take um, like an accessory, like maybe they'll make a gun out of Sculpey. Okay. And then Sculpey is pretty brittle. You okay. don't want to, you could paint it and have it be on there, but a lot of times people will make molds from that and then cast that in a more durable resin or you okay. know, epoxy or something like that. So that then they can actually... But also there's a, you know, technology changes everything. There's a big trend of um, people making 
uh, stuff in 3D programs and then having them, you know, 3D right. milled, printed out. Right, right. There's a there's a 3D plastic thing that you can make, right? Yeah, Where, or you can use it from companies. There are machines that you can buy yourself, but also you can design something in, you know, Maya or SketchUp or some CAD program. Don't quote me on the programs that right. you can use, but there are 3D programs out there where you can build stuff on your computer and then... You know, just like you're going to a printer and printing out, you know, a script or a photo or something like that, you can print these pieces out. So there's a big trend. Wait, of, but do, do you send them the art and they make it, or you, you can email them the file attachment and they can print it out and you can go pick it up or they can mail it to and you. And when you say print it out, they're printing it in it's plastic. A, a 3D printer, yes. I'm yeah. not sure what the material is, you know, resin or something like right, that. Right, right. It's something that that stacks on top of itself. Yeah. I've seen I've seen people. It's Somebody like, had one. You know, uh, I assume, uh, again, I'm not sure what the technology right. is right this second, but it can be like a block of something that is, you know, milled. To, like imagine a, a sculptor with a block of stone. And right. And he's chiseling it down till he gets the thing that he wants. Right, right. Um, but, you know, they would know this micrometer is how, you know, deep you're going to go and you're going to go this far in. Right. And uh, they build the pieces that way. I know there's a big trend, and I'm not an expert on this, of third-party transformers, of people making characters of transformers out of resin, and they're pretty expensive kits. Okay. Um, but those are all done on computers and, um, you know, 3D scanning and, and printing. Not, not, right. not scanning, but 3D milling. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I've, uh, I've completely derailed you into what's sitting around in my house. <laughs> so, but you have two sketchbooks. Yes. And you emailed me. There was only one when you emailed me. <laughs> well, the, the, it's a but project. that was before Boston. Yes, that was before Boston. Uh, around January, I got the second sketchbook. I had heard of the idea of theme sketchbooks a while ago before I knew what they were. There was one that was very impressive, and the, the, the idea is you take a sketchbook and each page is done by a different artist, but the drawing that they do is of the same theme. Okay. And there was um, one that the owner of a comic book store uh, had of the creature from the Black Lagoon, which I never saw, but he was telling me about it, and it had Jack Kirby in there, it had Mobius, oh. it had Simon Bisley, it had all of these great artists. Maybe it was 40% done, Wow. and uh, it got stolen um, at Comic-Con. And gone forever. You know, who knows yeah, yeah. what happened to it. But Wow. Um, so, I mean, it's essentially, I mean, it's a really interesting way to collect something. You're just yes. like, I love wolves. Yes. I want this guy to draw the Jack London wolf mm-hmm. on every page. But you find a different artist to do it. Yeah, there's some crazy And it's themes. different interpretations on it. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. the theme that I had come up with, a while ago uh, I wrote an episode of a cartoon series uh, called The Life and Times of Juniper Lee. Okay. Uh, a friend of mine said, hey, I want you to write this episode. I think you'd be good for it. And uh, it was a very good show, and um, people liked the episode. And around that time that it aired, a friend of a friend who worked at Disney said they were looking for new shows. So they said, would you be willing to come in and pitch like a cartoon show yeah. idea? And I came up with one, and of course it was a you know giant robot show. Right. And one of the ideas that... Uh, <laughs> I incorporated into the pitch would be that all of the enemy robots within the show yep. would be drawn by a different artist. You know, sort of Ooh. like Batman had, um, you know, celebrity guest villains. Yeah. This would be like, oh, and this week, you know, here we've got the Sid Mead villain or okay. here we've got the Joe Johnson robot that's going to fight the hero. Okay. So I just thought that was a, you know, 
a, a really fun a gimmick, idea, yeah. you know, and could sort of inspire the, uh, you know, artwork of the uh, making of the TV series or something like that. And yeah. You could sell pictures or whatever. So those ideas sort of came together of trying to come up, you know, I, I was talking about this with my daughter of, uh, you know, and it's difficult to pinpoint when exactly all of the different ideas gelled. Sure. Of doing a theme sketchbook of evil giant robots. Okay. And initially, you know, the idea would be that these are all the enemies of some unknown heroic robot. Okay. But the varying interpretations of different artists right. sort of make that impossible. The right. robot drawings that I've collected, there's no way that they're homogenous in any way, shape, or form. Right. They, they just wouldn't fit, man. They just yeah. wouldn't fit. No, no heroes fighting all of those robots. <laughs> it, would just, it would require too much art direction sure. on my part to make that concept work. And uh, quite frankly, I like giving artists more, you know, uh, rain, more room more, to work. To, yeah, to come yeah. up with their own ideas. What now? So, so the book, so the the sketchbook was going to be evil robots. Evil robots, and that's still the case. Okay, you know? and that is, and each page, different artist has uh, gets to use that page for whatever they want mm-hmm. to make an evil robot uh, picture. Yeah, and I, I tell them evil giant robots. Okay. Um, because that's what I envisioned initially for the series. But yeah, yeah. sometimes, you know, it's interesting to see the different ways that people listen or don't listen. It's like an, it's like a draw something. Mm-hmm. It's like that video game draw something where sure. you, where it's, it's a way to communicate using drawings. And some people are really good drawers. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's a word, but uh, some artists and, uh, and other people, draftsmen. draftsmen and other people, you're like, here's a stick figure. He's wearing a hat. Is that a mailman? I think it's a mailman. Okay. <laughs> so it's fine. But, but, yeah, you know, and it's so funny you talk about that because I think the ascendancy of digital art that we're really seeing in all you know shapes and sizes. Right. You know, we're talking about it with toys right now, 3D, and uh, you know, comic books. A lot of people are going digital. Um, and then it, there's web comics coming out of their ears. Yes, uh, and it makes things. The, the advantage of it is it creates speed, but it has also had this odd side effect of creating heightened interest in hand-drawn analog art. Um, the, oh, the appreciation's the gone appreciation, up? The appreciation, I think there was a, a page from The Dark Knight Returns that went up for auction, yeah. I don't know, five months ago, $448,000 for a page from a comic book from 1985. Because it was hand-drawn. Because, well, I mean... And because it's The Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, because it's The Dark Knight Returns, but that, that was unprecedented. Um, and I have to, you know, and I am going to connect the dots here a little bit. And there is this big spike in uh, interest in art in general, in comic art, in children's book art, and in collecting it. And, you know, when it's hand-drawn, that interest is much higher than um, people selling prints or something like that. Yeah, it feels it feels like if you created it on the computer, maybe it's... It's somehow easier or it's easier to duplicate or something. It is easier. There's no two ways about it. Like making, like correcting stuff on the computer, way easier. Right. Um, I, you know, I'm an artist myself. I went to art school. I love playing around with technology, but I was doing a drawing that required some pretty complicated perspective that was causing me a lot of frustration. Right. And it's like, oh, is this vanishing point receding here? And it was like a, a, a pretty complicated building. You know, I'm right. not, I'm, I'm good at perspective. Right. And I, I solved the problem and there's a big sense of satisfaction of solving the problem. But then I was doing another drawing where I was creating an environment in SketchUp, you know, a 3D program, which is very simple to use. Right. And once you create an environment, environment, 
you know, and and you can from that you can select a pose that you like. I mean, let's say we I oh, built, it can rotate built this room. Yeah, you can spin it around and decide the angle and the point of view that you want. Wow. And then you decide, okay, you know what? I don't like the way that it looks here. Oh wow, I didn't expect this view <laughs> to look so good. It looks right. great. And you can screen grab it. And trace over it in Photoshop or print it out and trace over it, you know, on a light table or something like that. And when I was doing the SketchUp drawing, I was thinking that uh, plotting perspective by hand is for suckers. (laughs) It was this whole sense of why am I wasting my time figuring all this stuff out? Right. There is a much greater sense of satisfaction in doing stuff by hand. Sure. And you do feel like you've learned a lot more. But... By golly, you know, those it computers. takes like 12 seconds, yeah. not 12 seconds, but I mean, it takes much less time. Well, if you're coloring something on in Photoshop mm-hmm. and you, you just do something on a different layer yeah. and you don't like the colors at all, you just create a different layer. Yeah. You know, rather than spending hours with a paintbrush. Right. I've, I've, I've been meeting more and more sort of digital artists um, and, and getting more into web comics recently. And mm-hmm. the work is it's gorgeous, but I, I don't know. There is I don't a know enough about, about it. 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 It is. It can be very cold. Um, but like, like Kate Beaton, you mm-hmm. know her? Yes. Because um, uh, she, I mean, that stuff is. It feels very freehand. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that it is. You know. Yeah. And then there's yeah. this woman, Ginger Hayes, and um, and that seems freehand as well, just because it it seems more brushstrokey. Yeah. And then there's Ogloff. <laughs> I don't know if you ever read Ogloff.com. No. It's filthy. Okay. Not safe for work, my friends. Uh, O-G-L-A-F. And what it is is it's, um, it's sword and sorcery dick jokes. Okay. And they're very, very funny. Mm-hmm. And they can, and sometimes they aren't filthy, but uh, sometimes they're filthy. So, but that is all very colorized and very beautiful and 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 very precise. You mm-hmm. know, it doesn't feel like brushstrokes. It feels like it's being done. It looks like a cartoon. It looks like an animated cartoon. There's a guy, you know, and this isn't to slam all digital art. Right. There's a, a guy uh, who's one in Eisner, very different. Uh, Frank Quitely, amazing artist. How do you spell Quitely? Uh, With a Q? Yes. Okay. I'll look it up. Something like that. Okay. Um, That's not his real name. He just came up with it. It's like, uh, quite frankly, he switched it. Oh, okay. Um, (laughs) So what he would do is he would do his rough pencils in blue, you know, non-repro blue pencils. Okay. And then he would do tight mechanical pencils on top of that and then scan in those pages and jack up the contrast so that the pencils looked like inks. Because he didn't like the idea of inking over his pencils, okay. Um, even when he would do it himself, and that is, you know, not uncommon now. Right. And there's people who do the opposite, who would um, uh, draw everything on the computer, you know, with a tablet or Wacom right. or something like that, and then print out the pages and ink stuff by hand, okay, um, to try and get, uh, you know, hand drawn feel to it to make mm-hmm. it not feel so cold. And both of those work great. You know, and um, there's a lot of interesting things that can be done with the computer, and it does save a whole lot of time right. if you're acting intelligently. Right. And yeah. and it looks it looks great. And and for me, I'm I tend to I I want to enjoy the images more than and I do more just because Andy's really into the art, and, mm-hmm. and I meet more and more people who are really into art. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm more into the words, so I I'm like, well, what's the writing like? Yeah. And it's like, well. It's great. Anyway, uh, this is what the art looks like. And so I, it's it's interesting from what angle people come from, all this different stuff. Let's talk about it. Which one was first, this leather well, one the, or the, the – The leather one was first. I mean, that was the first thing. 
is like, okay, I want to do this. I talked about this with my daughter. Right. And she was like, you know, get on board with this project. Let's do it, dad. And or no, she said, <laughs> daddy, who are we kidding? Uh, she is eight. She right. uh, is nine tomorrow. Oh, so happy, happy birthday. birthday. And um, uh, the first thing I wanted to do is get the sketchbook. And I said, let's do a special, you know, nice sketchbook. So I went on eBay and uh, it turns out all of the best sketchbooks come from India. Um, you can get really? amazing leather-bound sketchbooks, dirt cheap, and they all come from India. And you can get some that are much, much bigger than this mm -hmm. um, and many more pages. Um, What's the dimensions on this? Do you know? This is a 10 by 14. Okay. Um, it's really pretty. Yeah. It's a brown. And I'm going to have a picture of the exterior of this sketchbook on all of the websites that we mentioned before. Right, right. Because um, you can do Tom Frank Art at .wordpress.com. This will all be linked. And his Facebook page has a, has a gallery, which is facebook.com slash Tom Frank. And Frank is F-R-A-N-C-K. Yeah. And I'm also going to, you know, I'm not going to be name dropping mm -hmm. in you know while we're talking about this but i am going to list the names of a lot of artists whose right. websites i do want to uh, provide links for as well right i'll link them up um you know just because i want everyone to check out all of these great artists right because it's neat and you know it's an activity it's remarkable you you never know what the internet is going to be good for um the yeah. internet is incredible <laughs> for exposing artists i mean deviant art is huge right now and it's something. Is that I mean, a website? Deviant Art. Yes. Deviant, okay. Deviant Art. I'm. Yeah. I, I knew it sounded familiar. I just couldn't remember. Yeah, it's a huge, huge website. Tons and tons of people are on there, and the act of doing it is something. I mean, you're, you're saying you like the words of things, right? Um, and there's a lot of great writers out there. There's a lot of great bloggers, right? But the act of like reading through a thousand word blog post takes a much bigger commitment, and is something you can't really do at work, right? Versus browsing through someone's online portfolio, yeah, really easy to do. Fun activity, no pressure in starting and stopping. Right. You can do it, you know, from your phone and, and looking at stuff. So it's. Uh, is there a photo gallery on Deviant Art, or is it, or, or is it all drawings? Um, some people upload photos, but the the point of it is mostly for people to display their a artwork. Drawn. Okay. Artwork. You know, it's not really a. One of my brothers website. is a photographer, mm -hmm. and and I, he has it's on something called Deviant Art. It's like yeah, that, but it, I don't know what it is. You know that might, it's such a big website. Yeah, that might be this huge um, photography, Parallel, yeah, um, photography park universe that yeah. I'm just not uh, doing that that isn't coming up in my searches. Right, right, yeah. And he's uh, he's he's a uh, he's a commodities broker, but um, he's always loved photography for like 30 years, and he is probably 50 years old now, and his photos are of very young women. In sexy outfits. Okay. But the but the I'm guessing he gets a lot of hits. He gets a lot of hits, a okay. great number of hits, and he and he. But the photography is very beautiful, mm -hmm. and and I see what he's you know what he's doing um, image wise is is evolved and it's and it, they're beautiful pictures, but they're very you know they're young women in skimpy outfits, and he is uh, a perfectly nice heterosexual single man, so it's a lot for his sister to uh, go through his Facebook gallery and go, yeah that's a woman in some fishnets good for you upside down fantastic apple. Excellent. Wow. So, I mean, it's just a lot. Anyway, so, but I digress. Um, you know, and that is a big thing in art as well. Uh, you're going to oh, yeah. get a lot of hits on your website. There's a lot of artists out there. You can draw some boobs. Drawing sexy women, not oh, wearing yeah. much. Sure. You know, let's Do you know Kyle Baker? 
Yes. You, you know that guy? Mm-hmm. Um, because he, he wrote that, 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 uh, trade. One, I just bought one and gave it to, uh, a comic that I was working with on the road. Uh, Special Forces mm-hmm. is the name of the, the trade comic I, book. I haven't, I don't have it. Well, no. it's, uh, it's about an autistic, it's based on, uh, an autistic kid who got recruited by the army mm-hmm. in like 2006. Mm-hmm. And it's essentially a day in the life of this autistic kid where everybody is killed. Except for him and this woman who are in the same troop in Iraq, and he has his list. And on his list is take this, you know, capture this drug lord or whatever. <laughs> and and so the entire thing is her going, everyone's dead. Why? Oh, you got your list. Fantastic. <laughs> and so following, and every, it was like a six issue arc, right? And the trade is that. <laughs> and every issue, she's wearing less and less clothing. But Kyle Baker wrote and, and drew it. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting techniques to get women out of their clothes and stories. Sure. Best one is um, was it <laughs> Deep Blue Sea with Saffron Burroughs. Okay. Um, a beautiful uh, British uh, actress. Okay. And she's like a scientist in this, which is always ridiculous. You always get these beautiful women playing scientists. And uh, she is like standing on a filing cabinet. And a shark is, you know, th- these are like, what's the nickname we would call it? Like Goodwill Shark or something like that. Because okay. they're, they're like smart sharks. Oh, right, they, right. They, they become super smart. And she's standing on this metal filing cabinet. And Wait, she's... is that that movie where the shark goes backwards? Uh, Deep Blue Sea or? Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's that's the thing you're talking That's yes. the very thing you're talking about. Yeah, Fair that's enough. the very thing I'm talking about. And uh, you know, Thomas Jane is in it as okay. well. And uh, Samuel, Samuel Jackson. Jackson. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But she's she's on this filing cabinet. And there's some, like, electrical thing, exposed wire, (laughs) and she is going to, um, you know, like, put the wire into the shark as it's lunging at her and electrocuting the shark and preventing her from biting it. But she's standing on a metal filing cabinet. Metal conducts electricity. Sure. So she has to take off her rubber wetsuit so she can stand on it. Uh Um, So she's in her bra and panties in there. And I'm like, man, is that good screenwriting? Because it makes sense. (laughs) You know, they didn't make up that rubber doesn't conduct electricity right and metal filing cabinets and electricity they yep. just had to find the correct uh essentially algorithm to get her to take her clothes <laughs> off and fair enough <laughs> so um you know it all worked out uh for me in starting the sketchbook and i got it in the mail and the, the deal that i made with my daughter was okay i'm going to draw the first page right. in the sketchbook and then we're going to get all of these different artists to do uh all of the pages until there's one page left right and then you will draw the last page and then the sketchbook is yours okay um so i did the first page and how here, many pages are in it is well, it like 100 pages or this something? This is uh, 85, I believe, 85 is pages. in the first sketchbook. As we mentioned uh, earlier, there's now two, and I'll explain why in a little bit. So this is the one that I did, and uh, one of the reasons that um, uh, I was determined to start this is there are two great uh, robot designing artists who died uh, a few years ago. Okay. One was Ken Ishikawa, who is probably, you know, the best evil robot artist of all time. He worked with Go Nagai. You know, all of these Japanese robot shows sort of started with Mazinga Z. Right. You know, the enemy robot that I was talking about, this toy, Garada K7, was designed by Ken Ishikawa. Okay. He designed all of the enemies of uh, Mazinga Z, and then he had even more control over Get a Robo and Get a Robo G. And... Um, you know, I've recently gone through all of the manga that he did and the, you know, it's just an endless torrent of evil robots attacking awesome. them. And he is probably the best at 
you know, coming at designing these things. Right, right. You know, maybe not the best renderer because manga artists sort of have this different standard because they have to come up with so many pages per month. Okay. It's not really slave over one image for a long period of time. Okay, because they, they have to produce. Yes. I mean, you, you see manga on subways and they're really thick. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting, you know, you're talking about the words of stuff. Um, all of this manga has been uh, a big trend now is scanslations of manga that has never been in English before. The pages are now scanned in and the text is translated into English. So there's a big thing going on in the past few years of American audiences being exposed to wonderful manga uh, From comic 30 books, years ago. You know, that they had never um, understood the story before. You know, maybe at conventions they'll see a Japanese version of it, but they didn't know what was going on. Right. So, and that's really impacting um, a lot of American artists now. Um, there's a guy who I follow on Twitter who uh, is an artist on uh, Batman Incorporated, Chris Burnham, who has become a huge Gona guy and Ken Ishikawa fan. Okay. And, uh, um, and he does great art as well. Right. So it's, um, it's an exciting time you yeah. know, for uh, art and exposure to art and uh, all sorts of different um, influences. So, um, you know, for my drawing here, this is definitely inspired by Ken Ishikawa. Oh, there was, there was another guy who died uh, recently uh, or a few years ago. Um, Taco uh, Sato, and he did these great sort of reimagined, um, more sort of industrial versions of robots from the 70s. Okay. And um, uh, a toy company, uh, Future Models, uh, released toys based on his reimagined designs, okay. which were just beautiful. Yeah. And, uh, and then he suddenly unexpectedly died. So it was very... Um, just surprising. It was surprising, but it also, in terms of this project, made me feel like I needed to get off my ass. I want to get to it. You know, people don't live forever. Yep. You know, and th th those are two people that I can't have pages from. There's no circumstance. Right, that, that they you can will be able to yeah. get those. And, and they're two, you're giant fans of those guys, yeah. and it's just too bad. Yeah, and it's sad. Th so this is inspired by uh, the first guy? By Ken Ishikawa. And know. it looks, it's orky. It looks, uh, he looks sort of uh, like he's got these double-sided halberdy uh, mm -hmm. axes, and um, yeah, but the, he's got the fangs, like the, uh, you know. He's the, got an underbite with an, teeth, and he's got the big horn, and this is sort of, you know, my take on a, a Getter Robo G villain. You know, all of the Getter Robo G enemy robots had big horns. Okay. Um, you know, and I was continuing this axe theme of, you know, on the kneecaps, and his big backpack is axe-shaped. Right, right. Um, and he's got four it's arms really and axes. really cool looking. Yeah, that's awesome. And he's got like these rhino horns are, are played through the whole thing too. So mm -hmm. it's it's awesome. So okay, the page is done, and now I'm thinking, what do I do now? Right? How, How do, do you I get find the next artists? guy? And it's or it's woman. daunting. Yeah. Know? And uh, I emailed a, a friend of mine who. Um, had a Japanese toy website as well uh, named Alan Yen, uh, and his site is still going. You know, mine uh, I closed down years ago. Uh, his is toyboxdx.com. Okay. And uh, this I'll is the page it. that he did for me. Okay, so you just, you, you I, know. I, I mailed you it to him. People. I dropped the sketchbook in the mail. Because uh, where does he live? He lives in Massachusetts. Okay. So I mailed it to Massachusetts, and, um, you know, he's a very busy guy and was just happy to do it and was excited to do it for my daughter. Right. Um, you know, he's got a new uh, baby girl who's three or four now, and right. she's great, and, you know, we bond a lot over parenting. And sure. So this is what he did, which is beautiful. And, you know, when that my daughter looked at it. a lot of shading and... 
she said, you know, uh, Daddy, Alan's is better than yours, is what she said to me. So. <laughs> you know why? Because children have no filter. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's all so very subjective because because that's the great thing about it is that everybody has a different – it doesn't even matter if you're trained by the same masters. You yeah. know, you can try to draw something in the style of somebody else, but it's not going to be in the in right, style. Right, unless you are talking about working on the computer. Oh, right. You know, because we're talking about that before. If you are – building something in SketchUp or some 3D program and it's the dimensions are the same, the it's image gonna is going to look, look exactly the same. It's, there's there's right, going to be right. no personality there. Right. Um, so when he got this back to me, I'm like, okay, what am I going to do now? Right. And um, I had heard, I'd seen on Facebook that there was a group that meets every Thursday downtown at a bar called Drink and Draw. And here like, in Los Angeles. Here in Los Angeles. Okay. Casey's Pub, 8 p.m., Every uh, Thursday night. Okay. And I'm like, you know what? I got to go down there and right. see what's going on. And it was incredibly exciting. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of professional artists in Los Angeles. Yep. And um, a lot of them are very good, you know, and a lot of them have, there's a big underground art scene in LA, drawing scene, you know, underground sort of life drawing parties are huge now. Right. Um, and there's a lot of people in video games, there's a lot of people in movies, and there's a lot of people in comic books who are all great artists, and plenty of them hang out at Drink and Draw uh, Thursday nights at Casey's. So I wow. went down there, and, you know, it's intimidating, but it's also this great situation of you've got your sketchbook or you've got, you know, whatever piece you're working on. Yep. You can go there, not talk to anyone, and just draw and order your food or your, you know, right. beverage. Yep. And not stand out. You know, not seem like you're... Oh, not be a weirdo because not, cause cause it, there's three other people doing that. Yeah. At least. And you're supposed to be drinking and drawing. Or you can go there and not draw at all and just socialize and... um you know, be friendly. And do you get to see what other people are working on? Absolutely. Okay. You know, people walk around the table. And there's definitely sort of like a um, uh, Thanksgiving sensibility to it where there's the grown-up table and then there's okay. the, the table for kids. Because oh, it, it's got to be clicky. It's yeah. like stand-up or it's anything. It's a little clicky, but, you know, it, it, it's they're entitled to be. I don't, you know, I'm yeah, not they're passing working judgment on them. Yeah. And, they're, and they're good friends for a long time. Right. Um, so they're going to sit at that table and the people who are sort of newer, it's not that segregated, but right. there's, there's, I, I got to be honest, there's a little bit of that going on. Right. Um, so I was there and as I was leaving, maybe the second time I was there, uh, a guy came up to me and he said that he had dr drawn a picture of me, you know? He, oh, wow. And it was great. And uh, he sent me, or I gave him my Facebook, I gave him my name yeah. and uh, we friended each other on Facebook and he sent me a scan of it. Right. And I put it up and I'm like, oh, wow, thanks. Um, yeah, it's on my Facebook. You can check it out. It's and his name is uh, Ralph Miranda. And uh, I said, well, would you do a page? And he said, yeah. absolutely. So this is what he did. Um, oh, wow. That is awesome. It's a, it's a um, Campbell's soup can it's a Campbell's robot. Campbell's soup can robot. And so, it's it's in color. It's the first one that has some color in it. Um, so you talk about this is not you know my in, initial sort of parameters for the project of yeah. all enemy robots for some giant robot show. This would not fit in with that. Right. And that's it's great that it wouldn't. You know, yeah, it doesn't a, matter. You know, I mean, it, it, they take on a life of their own eventually. These projects. And this wow. is thinking outside the box, and it's a, it's a great drawing. Um, yeah, it's a great drawing. Super fun. Did your daughter like it? Yeah, she loves it. Yeah. And it sh she should. Um, How many have you gotten so far? 
53. Out of the 85 that's in this well, book? No, there's 41 in this book. Right. And then there's another 12 in, in the, the second book. Okay. And I'll, I'll sort of jump ahead. I, you know, after I went to this drink and draw, I started bringing these to conventions. Right. And I started getting what I call the, uh, I could have had a V8 syndrome. Okay. Of, you know, only one person can have the sketchbook at a time. Yep. And you can give it to an artist who's either a slow poke or, you know, uh, mobbed with fans and really busy. Right. Or, you know, just like putting it off. Yeah. And there's another artist who's great and just twiddling their thumbs there. Yep. Um, so I wanted to have the opportunity to have two sketchbooks going. Oh, so I, I get deal it. With the, the slowpoke factor. Well, will you be able to consolidate them? Will you be able to put them together? Probably not. Probably not. And that's okay with me. Okay. Um, you know, this sketchbook is 80 pages at the beginning of this year, you know, in January. I'm like, I got to get two sketchbooks going. Um, because what happens, you know, sort of jump ahead here is I sort of became obsessed in looking at conventions, uh, what artists are going to be there. You know, I'm talking about this rise in art. Yeah. You know, you go to a comic book convention now, and artists are being treated like rock stars. Artists Alley is the hottest place in the convention. Floor. Right. Because what that is, is it's it's two rows of tables, and there are artists Sometimes sitting Sometimes way them. more than two. Yeah. Right, right. But uh, or the alley, that the, the first alley that... that you know, when you walk in, it's it's on either side. There are artists sitting at tables, right? Yes. And then and then you can stand in line and get them to draw something specific. Is that correct? Yeah, but they're also selling original artwork. I mean, that's uh, well, that's right because they have stacks of original artwork that you can also purchase, but you can commission stuff. Sometimes, I mean, there's some people who are so big. There's a number of different ways that artists are making money at conventions. They are selling original art, which is a great thing. You know, there's a big story about Jack Kirby did all of this artwork for Marvel Comics and didn't get his pages back. Right. That, you know, is a horrible crime that has been corrected. You know, people, artists uh, are getting their pages back. And they can sell Marvel them. Marvel gave Kirby back their page, his pages. It took a long time, and they didn't give them all back to him. You know, okay. but he was without them for many it's like years. Like the Elgin Marbles. And, and <laughs> anyway, and had to fight to uh, have them returned to him. It was okay. a big injustice against Jack Kirby. Okay. Um, and uh, it was uh, publicized enough to the point where you know this mistake is not being made. Right. So there is a, a, a wonderful artist who I'll talk more about who I did get a page from named Art Adams. Right. And uh, he is not the fastest artist in the world, but man, is he one of the best. He is just really, really is talented. Is he in here? And everyone loves his stuff. And he, he, it's great to see him uh, put his pages or his covers up on eBay, and the money's going directly to him. Yep. You know, he gets his artwork back, and people from all over the world are bidding on it. Right. And he is really getting what his stuff is worth at this right. point. But he know? can't. But he he doesn't do commissions because he's too too busy. He does do commissions. He's oh. one of the people who does do commissions, and that he doesn't have to. You know, right. He's so big, but he's not again the fastest artist. You. Uh, I, I did get a page from him at WonderCon, yeah. which is a big uh, story in and of itself. But I got in there early at WonderCon. You mm-hmm. know, I had uh, my uh, Jonathan London uh, had a booth there from Geekscape, okay, and uh, he got me in before the convention opened, and I was already eighth in line. Okay, and it was a three-day convention, and he barely got to me. Oh, um, wow. So that's three days for number eight on the list. Yeah, and he was mobbed. Right. Um, so does he do they start turning down? He's like, I'm yeah. only going to get to do probably 10 in these three days. So something so, you never know how many you're going to get to. I mean, he is one of the artists who will not take any money until it is done. Right. You know, other people will say, give because, me money up front. Right. Yeah. 
That makes sense. And how much do they cost? Anywhere between it like twenty varies. bucks to hundreds. Yes. Okay. You know, I. Like, but like the lowest is twenty bucks. Yes. Okay. Some, plenty of people will do it for free. You know. Yeah. There's, you know, there's uh, artists there who are guests of the convention, mm-hmm. but there are also artists there who are paying to have a table in Artist Alley so that they can sell their stuff. Okay. Who are looking for exposure and are so looking both to, kinds. Yeah. You know. Uh, and they're not necessarily looking to do commissions, but they're not big names. Right. Um, you know, so they're, they're just, it's a publicity thing and it's a way to get their names out and, and, I and it's fun for them. And, you know, in my case, you know, I talk about this project and I'm there with my daughter a lot of the times who's, you know, more adorable than anything and they're sure. happy to do a page. Right. Right. So, um, you know, plenty of these drawings I've gotten for no money. Right. Um, but I also... Um, Are they scanned so that people can go look at them yes. at, at the, on the WordPress thing or the yes. Facebook page? Yes. Okay. Um, and uh, I like paying, you know, some artists are going to want money and I'm happy to pay them. Money, sure. You know, and the thing about this is unlike completed art. Yeah. It's not in your best interest to haggle aggressively in this situation because if the artist feels like, they didn't get as much money as they wanted or you swindled them or talked them out of it. They're not going to do as good a drawing. Right. So, uh, you know, and also I like not ripping off artists. Gee, there's a good idea. Yeah. You like to pay a fair. I mean, the thing is, is this is incredibly unique stuff and, mm-hmm. and everybody, everybody should be paid fair for their work. They mm-hmm. really should. And there's no reason there's no reason to try to somehow get some sort of creepy deal with some guy who's not or some woman who isn't, you know, you're, you're not Scrooge McDuck. Yeah. And this I'm doing not this a person sitting on top of a giant I, bag of money. I'm doing this for my daughter. I want artists who are trying to make a living to be able to make a living. Yeah. You know, I'm not one of those people. You know, there's people, as I was saying, one of the ways that artists make money at these conventions is by selling prints uh, of their work, right. autographing them. There's a guy at the Boston Comic Con who showed up at the table of uh, Joe Chen, who is a very famous artist. She does all of the Buffy covers, you know, beautiful painted digital illustrations. Right, right. And uh, he showed up with uh, prints that he had printed out on his own computer for her to sign, you know, that he wasn't going to buy from her. Right. Which is just bogue, you know. It's like, what are you, how dare you call yourself a fan of this? A a lot of artists. Did she sign them? Um, I'm not sure. Okay, fair enough. she worked something out. She was like, dude, what are you doing? She's not like, you know, Mrs. Aggressive. Right, right. Not super aggressive. And And a lot of artists, you know, yeah. I'm good friends with her husband. And if he was there, he would not have stood for that at all. Right. It doesn't. Well, somebody, I was on Twitter and Paul F. Tompkins, he retweeted this thing. This guy goes, hey, I missed your half hour, your uh, your new hour special in Comedy Central. Where uh, where can I get it for free? Yeah. And uh, he, he quoted the tweet and he goes, in hell, you asshole. <laughs> and uh, you're like, yeah, there's no... You know, the, it's not that much money, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not – is it something you value? Is it is it yeah. something you want? You spent, what, $20,000 on a car. You can spend 100 bucks on something that you really enjoy. Yeah, I mean, my situation is a little different in that I want a ton of artists in this book. Oh, right. You know, and i got to make my dollar stretch as far as it can. Sure, you're on a fixed income. No, <laughs> n- none of us aren't. So uh, – 
you know, I got to be prudent in who right. I go after. You're, you're prudent, but you're not unjust. Yeah, There's I'm not, not I'm not above uh, parading my daughter around or explaining the right. the, the project <laughs> that this sure. is for her. This is an heirloom for yes. her in order for them to either do it for free or give me a reduced rate, which right. plenty you're of You're not above do. that. But yeah. the thing is is you're also not you're you're not going to bully them into it and you're not going to you know, it's you're not a bully. Yeah. You're not you're not going to be a jackass about it. You're just going to say, "This is my adorable daughter. She would enjoy a picture yeah, of a giant of evil she, robot." Yeah, she's not with me on a lot of these. Um, so then you got to pay. You know, but most of the time it's the not, it's not uh, uh, outrageous. Do, do they end up looking through what is already here? Yes, some of them do. Some people get intimidated. So let, let, let's go through this a little bit. This was done at Anime Expo. This next one, right? And this one was actually a little disappointing to me. Um, in that I was looking at the portfolio of the artist who did this, and he had these right. beautiful, uh, like, robot pandas okay. that he did. And I think he was one of those artists who was a little more, um, a little stronger at digital art than okay. analog art. Um, okay, so so you were like... It. it was great. It's, you know, yeah, and it's cool looking. Yeah. But but there's you, you can't really know when you walk up to somebody's table how what you're going to get. Yeah. And, and you're an artist, you know. But I mean, a big thing I do at conventions now, which is great, you know, I talk about flipping through artists. I look at every single artist who's going to be there, whether they're famous or complete unknowns. And there's a lot of times links to their either web page or right. an art page. Sure. And I can flip through their stuff. And that whole... Uh, process of selective creating a want list yeah. for artists at conventions, I just friggin' love. It, oh, because it, that's its own game? Yes. Yes. And, I mean, here, I was talking about the lists that I uh, make up. Yeah, you have like a here. dream list or something like well, that of like artists what, that you really... Yeah, but what I did is like, okay, here's a list of, uh, you know, the Eisner Awards have... Eisner winning artists, and this is a list that you would enjoy. This is a list of just like um, since the Eisner started. There's there's plenty of different categories in the Eisners, but there is a best artist category that's okay. had some variations over the years. So these are the winners for each year. Okay, and these 12. people are all still alive. No. Dave oh, really? Stevens is dead and Al Williamson is dead. Hence they have an X. Yes. And then there are some check marks. Are those the ones that you have received? Yes. So Bill Sankiewicz? Sinkevich. Sinkevitz? Yes. Simon Bisley? Yep. Who's a huge deal. There's, I'm going to end talking about the story of his sketchbook. Jeff his Darrow? Story. Yes. And he's amazing. Scotty Young? Yes. Okay. See, um, you know, I, I've been reading comic books now for probably eight years, mm -hmm. and uh, I've only just started to figure out the different artists. And okay. when I say just and started, that's fine. You know, I can only recognize one. But Andy, but Andy will he'll look at it and go, oh, I, I really want to get this because this is a certain artist mm -hmm. doing this comic book series or drawing this. And Kyle, Kyle Baker is one of my favorites, quite mm -hmm. honestly, just because of his – he did a Plastic Man uh, right. run that was amazing mm -hmm. and then he did the art for the black captain america truth yep. mm -hmm. and then he does his own stuff yeah i think he wrote a screenplay that didn't get produced called backups about backup singers that i read and I really oh really enjoying quite a bit it was yeah a script yeah. well he's i mean and his writing was so fun and then his his art is it's super it, it's goofy he yes. well he was just drawing the, the sort of the dirty version stuff of deadpool in, yeah instant piano i remember seeing some stuff that he did in that that was oh, okay yeah yeah, yeah. He's, so, yeah, so these lists are, are more fun to make than, than a bowl of cherries. Yeah, I mean, uh, here's like, I mean, that, and that's comic books. Here's right. uh, the, the Caldecott Awards are awarded for the artist who, in picture books, you know, in children's. Children's picture yes, books, okay. Um, and one comes out a year, and that's been going on for a very long time. Right. And, you know, look, I've included. So, what do you have, like 40 names on that thing? There's 
41 years and 35 artists are alive still. Okay. I mean, with the Caldecott, many, many of them have passed away. Right. And these, and you don't have any marks I, on this yeah. one, so you don't know? Or? No, I've got none. No. Uh, but you don't know which ones on this list are dead? No. These are only the ones who are alive. Oh, fair I, enough. I, I did not include <laughs> any called, of the dead people. You called out the uh, the dead. Yeah. Those who have passed away. I, so. I crossed off those. Yeah, and so, so this is a dream list of, of the picture book artists that you yes. would love to get. Let me see. From 1995, uh, Smoky Night was illustrated by David Diaz. And he is a big, uh, you know, uh, he's very active in the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators. Okay. And I'm going to go to the summer conference. And I know people oh. who know him. And I'll try and see if I can get him to do a page you know, that, in August. That would be amazing. It's okay. So you have the Eisner list and you have yeah. the Caldecott list. And then, uh, you know, I just go through deviant art and here's people, oh. here's like the, the, the categories of like wish list people, right. comic book people, people that I've just seen on deviant art. Oh, there was a great guy. There was a great artist, which is so, I, I couldn't get him. He was a kid. He was a kid in high school. Right. And he had all of these incredibly detailed robots, which weren't like, the best drawings I've ever seen. I'm not right. saying like, oh my God, this guy's the next Leonardo da Vinci. But all of his drawings were done on lined school book paper. Okay. And, and it just added so much to it? or it added this incredible layer of context because you couldn't look at them and imagine how much schoolwork was blown off <laughs> to get them done. This is obviously, he's in class, ignoring yes. whatever lecture Ignoring education as yes, a whole exactly. to do these. And they were great. And I emailed him. I said I would give him money. And Nothing. He, he, was, he, he was like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. And I'm like, can I mail you the sketchbook? And he didn't want me to know his address. Oh, fair and enough. And I was saying, well, how about this? I'll PayPal you some money to your email. Yeah. Because that is someone, I mean, most people, I want them on the page of the sketchbook itself. Right. I don't want to be pasting in right. something. There was, is one instance of that in here. But he was someone... Like, if I could get the line school book paper and paste it in, that would be perfect. Right. Um, but, again, it's, you know, the thing about getting pages is you're kind of like a womanizer. And you feel that way. In <laughs> right. that, like, you're like, you can be really you're aggressive. you angles and, but, yeah. And, like, once you've got it, you're done with them. You're yeah. like, see, wham, bam, <laughs> you know, thank you, artist. Um, yeah, it's been great knowing you. Anyway, no, no, I'll call you. Yeah. And so... <laughs> um, but also you're like, yeah, and you're on to the next one. But the thing is, like, you, you can ask someone and they can say no. That doesn't mean it's not like the prom that's only right. once a year. Right, right. You know, they can say yes at the next time you bump into them or they right. can wear down and, like, okay, finally, just to get rid of this guy, I'll yep. do it. You know, yep. so I haven't given up on that kid. Right. Because um, so, you still have his email address. It'll, you can check in with him in six months. I go, can harass him. What about your mom's work? What yeah. about your dad's work? <laughs> what if I just send the book to your dad's work and well, then here's money to ship it back to me and here's money to do it? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm still working on him, fingers crossed, because he, I, I call him sort of a, a talented Napoleon Dynamite. Okay. Is my, my take on him. Right. You know, my nephew did the Ranger t-shirt. He oh, did really? the Ranger of the Dark Forest t-shirt, and he always drew. He always drew as a kid uh, salmon, Bimal Benrude. Um, and he is, he's a great artist. He's a really great artist. And... I the original Ranger T-shirt had four broccolis, and right. then it said Ranger of the Dark Forest in mm -hmm. it, in a font that Andy created, and it was great. But it was all 
it was all I could do essentially. And then, um, and then Salmon graduated from art school and he was like, can I fix that? And I was like, you can fix that. Yeah. Please fix that. And then he fixed it and it's so gorgeous. It's, you know, and then I just have the new, the new Dork Forest, um, design. You, by the way, will get a t-shirt for being awesome. uh, on the program. You can either have a Ranger t-shirt or the new Dork Forest design. I will look at uh, them both. You will look at them both and decide. I will not decide, uh, sight arbitrarily, unseen. sight unseen, probably for the best. You realize it's been an hour. Uh oh. I know it. But the, here's the thing. Let's uh let's keep talking. Let's okay. keep talking and then we'll figure it out and because uh, I got someone coming over in about forty five minutes to do another one. Okay. Okay. So let's see what we got. So I went to uh drink and draw again and there's a famous artist, uh, Dan Panoshin. Okay. Uh, very nice guy. Armenian Panoshin? Uh he I, uh, I'm, I think he's French. Oh wait. Panosian. Uh, yeah, he is Armenian. Look at him. And uh, chainsaw lady. Yeah, <laughs> with not, a boner. Not hair? exactly on theme, perfectly, but he did it very quickly. Right. And he gave it to another guy who does some work for a Transformers uh, TV series. Okay. Uh, who's Jeff Johnson? And this is what he ho, did. Ho ho ho! That it took is him pretty two awesome. Two drinking draws to get that done. Um, Holy criminy, that is a that, that that is a mean looking robot. Yeah, that is just a beautiful drawing and a beautiful robot. And uh I was very excited to get that. Um, yeah. So when it comes back in the mail or when the, it when it gets This was live. You know, right. this was like Oh that was done live. Draw. Okay. Um you know, you, you wanna get it, it, it the more this project, the more pages there are in the book, the scarier it gets to mail it out. Um, oh, right, because you you fear, you, you, you live in fear. More. Yeah, but um, but uh, but when you do mail it out and then it comes back, you're like, it must be like Christmas, where you're like, oh my gosh, yeah, I can't wait to see what he did. What did what did he do? What did he do? Do you so, have any women artists? Yes. Okay. Uh, and I'd like to get more. I've tried and failed a couple times. Um, um yeah, because um, who uh. Who would you like? I, I want to get Amanda Connor to do one. She does Power Girl. Okay. Um, and I got this woman at um, uh, Anime Los Angeles, uh, Cassie Young. Okay. Um, and she did one. Because um, Jenny Fine, mm-hmm. I don't know if you know her. I don't. I will show her. Uh, she did uh, a poster. She's done some poster work for me for the Lord uh, for the Live Dork Forests, mm-hmm. and she drew me fighting a dragon. Okay. Uh, and it's. Awesome. <laughs> and then she did one where I, I did a show, and it was it was more of a sketchy look to it with a Hindenburg in the back with mm-hmm. me and three other comics. So she's done several different posters for me. You know, not everyone likes to draw robots, and some people consider it oh. a blind spot. Oh, interesting. Them. And there was one guy, uh, Toshio Maeda, yeah, who is a big hentai artist. Okay. Um, he did Legend of the Overfiend, right? You know, which is this incredibly graphic, you know, XXX rated. Um, right. anime okay. that really sort of brought um, hentai and he was going to be at uh, a convention later this month and I emailed him I was thinking about going I decided not to go but I said would you be willing to draw on my sketchbook I just thought it would be great to have this guy because it's yeah. so difficult to get Japanese artists for anything okay and like uh, you know, I'm talking about children's book Artist, I would like a robot. Yeah, you know, just imagining like him drawing a robot. You know, no sexual context whatsoever, right? And having a children's book uh, illustrator in there, it just was like it's fun. It's warped it's, it, to right, me. Right, right. You know, yeah. I, I, I like sort of pushing the boundaries of the different types of artists that are in this book. That's right. part of the appeal to me. Yep. Um, but he basically chickened out. He said, I'm not comfortable drawing robots. Okay. You know, and I'm out of practice. And, and plenty of people are like, ah, I'm not sure if robots are my thing. Right. Because, and what if, if you didn't like it, would you cut it out? Um, no. 
No, I would you just go in. leave it in because that's the way it goes. This is like an avatar thing. What the heck? This is uh, a friend of mine uh, knew this guy who was just like not a big deal artist at all. He was right. in Michigan, mm-hmm. and uh, he did this beautiful. You know, I just remember seeing his stuff, insanely detailed pencil work. Yeah. And I said, would you get him to do one? And uh, his name is Rick Caprero. And this is all pencil here. You know, some people are like, is that a print or something like that? It it's looks just, like a print. It's, it's a Ricardo Caprero yeah, Studio of Fine it's, Arts. It's incredible. A lot of people, this is their favorite one. And he lives in Howell, Michigan. Yes. That's crazy. And he has no website. Right, right. And this is uh, Jeremy uh, Burleigh, who uh, has a comic <laughs> book called Eye of the Gods. Okay. And he really had fun with it. I took a class at the Animation Institute on, um, by uh, Carl Ganass, who uh, is a great art instructor. And right. this was on head, hands, and feet. And he's a, a big student of his. And uh, he was just excited to do it. And that's a great... Uh, a great you know, image of, of, of an evil robot. And this this was last... This was at Long Beach Comic Con. Okay. And I did this one. And then there's this guy, Clyde Grappa, who did that. Nice. And then um, this is Chris Houghton, who does uh, Reed Gunther comics. Okay. And a very different take. Um, you know, I like the the exposed engine. Right, right. Uh, that, that that is nice, and the sort of the evil laugh that seems to be coming out of him, mm-hmm. or in my head. And uh, and then this is awesome. probably the one that was. This is uh, John Bogdanov, who uh, is a big artist. Okay. And he just probably wasn't. Li- he's a very very nice guy. And right. He just wasn't listening when he heard the instructions. Evil and giant. Right. This is sexy non giant. Could robot. be the femme fatale. Yeah. This is this could be an illusion yeah. that she looks at. Right. But then all of a sudden, super evil. Yeah, the, maybe, maybe the lipstick she's wearing <laughs> is, is, uh, poison. is yeah. poison. Yeah, people. The joke people make is she's evil on the inside. Exactly. And then uh, this was getting to kamikaze. Right, and this is very traditional, yeah. where, where it's all kind of horns and pointy, and because <laughs> <clears throat> sexy evil lady, that's just someone who's going to break your heart. Yep. That's what makes her evil. Uh, and this is a, a great one. This is Livio Rimandelli. Uh, who uh, does some stuff? A deviant uh, art guy. Yeah, yeah, that's an amazing. IDW. That looks super intimidating. It looks yeah. like the kind of uh, giant robot that would fight the Iron Giant. <laughs> and uh, and this is um, by the guy uh, who does Axe Cop, which just got optioned. Axe Cop is uh, written by. It's drawn by a 29 year old who's probably 30 now. Okay, but it's written by his five year old brother. And it was a big internet phenomenon. Okay. Which I think just got optioned in a cartoon series. And so the guy hilarious. in his 20s did the drawings, and then his the little story, brother yes, comes, uh, up with comes up with the story. Yes. That's it's, awesome. It's hilarious and you know takes all of these wild turns and is definitely, everyone should check it out, Axe Cop. Axe Cop with an E or just A-X Cop? A, uh, with an E. A-X-E Cop. Yeah. Okay. And uh, this is someone who just wanted to do it, who saw the project. He was at a convention, and uh, I like oh, this one a lot. This is nice with the with the sort of the grappling hooks. And, mm-hmm. You know the monster, the the that claw, yeah. that claw. Doctor Octopus. And, uh, sort of so this of is a Liad Goldberg. Mm-hmm. Nice. And this is not an artist. This is Scott Lobdell, who's a writer. Who yeah. Was at uh, convention, you had him on the show. No, no. Uh, yeah. I I know his name. Why do I know his name? He's he does a stand up comedy as well. Oh, that's why I know him. Yeah, he probably I do did know a show. He, well, yeah. Did a comics and comics with us um and he, and just he was like can i please can i please yes and i yes. said yes and it's fun and uh i'm hoping he can hook me up with more dc artists because oh, he writes okay. you know teen titans and right right well that's it he writes teen titans that's mm-hmm. why i know him mm-hmm. i don't know him know him and i just know the outlaws 
as well. That Teen Titans is great, by the way, right now. The mm-hmm. Teen Titans Superboy crossover. Mm-hmm. Good work is being done, people, if you're bored. Um, <clears throat> and then this was done at Kamikaze as well. And this guy sort of... His portfolio had robots that were a lot more detailed than this. Right. And he said he wasn't going to do color. I said, I'd prefer more detail than color. And he just did color. And he did color. Deep. But the thing is, it's super fun. This is <laughs> this is a giant uh, robot squashing things, and it's a smash. Yeah. And he put in a plane. And this one's sort of similar. Oh, and interesting. this is by Justin Orr. And on his business card, he's got Johnny Sacco there, which is a Japanese uh live-action character, Johnny Sacco's Giant Robot. So Does Justin Orr have anything to do with Johnny Sacco? I don't think he so. He just, likes, he just likes Japanese <laughs> stuff. So this was right up uh, his alley. And that's awesome because this is tentacly, but also Smash. Yeah. Yeah. I like that Do you remember one. the video game Rampage? Oh, yeah. Played with it a... last week. <laughs> really? With my daughter. Okay. At Fun and Games in Framingham, Massachusetts. Because it's an upright. And then uh, this was by an art instructor uh, out of Orange County named Marshall Vandruff. That's and beautiful. I went to a lecture of his, and you know, he's just a great, um, you know, great pedagogy about art. I yeah. agree with him on a lot of stuff. And he, this was done at uh, uh, Creative Talent Network, which is uh, a uh, convention just for artists uh, in the fall, in in November at in Burbank. And he, you know, emailed he was going to be there, and he said, "Hey, I'm going to be there too. Would you uh, do a page?" And he said, "Yeah, you know, I'll tell you what. Uh, let's have a meal together. You can buy me the meal, and oh. you can art direct me over the meal." And it was just great. And I got to pick his brain, and he was so oh my, much fun. That's actually, that's awesome. That's yeah, and, and, and people who are listening to this, yeah. you know, if you are like a great, if you're saying like, oh, my God, I draw robots better than everyone. Yeah. You know, contact me. Yeah. We can meet at Drink can, and Draw, yeah. and I will buy you a meal if you do a page in the sketchbook. In in Los Angeles on Thursday nights, you hang out at Drink and Draw. Not, not, not every, every Thursday, week, but, but contact me. Don't just yeah. show up there and say, hey, where's my meal? Where's Tom? Yeah. <laughs> right, 13 people. <laughs> it's it's super fun to, like, when you're a fan of somebody's, to, for them to go, well, do you want to have lunch? You can buy yes. me lunch, and then, I'll, th- and then I'll do whatever you want. That was such a fair deal, you know. And incre- because then you get to talk to them for an yes. hour as well. It was, it and was then wonderful, you get to watch them was draw. Wonderful conversation. It was just a great weekend. That's neat. Um, and then this was this is by <laughs> Paul Wee, who's like considered the best draftsman on the Simpsons TV series. He's and a draftsman on the Simpsons. He's an artist on the Simpsons, right. but he's considered the most talented artist. Okay. There. And he teaches at, you know, American, uh, no, Los Angeles, uh, uh, art Institute, yeah, art institute, yeah. He's, uh, he's it's it's teacher. a giant brain essentially yeah. with squiddy arms, with rivets, with so, rivets, yeah. and it's pretty sweet looking and pointy. And then, okay, here's a big story. Um, you know, in starting this project, I was. You know, going through my past, you saw the one by Rick Caprero. That's yeah. not really a big name, but it's just like someone whose art meant a lot to me growing. No, no, you know, I didn't know him that well, but there was a, a guy on my street who was friends with my dad. He was, you know, about uh, 10 years older than me. Okay. So I was a kid and he did all of these great uh, oil paintings okay. and he did makeup of like Planet of the Apes. And he was just this really gifted artist. And he um, had kind of a tough family situation, mm-hmm. and his stepdad wound up destroying most of his art, and he destroyed the rest of it. You know, he was very right. temperamental. And 
Um, I, he was what I consider a, a, one of the children of Frazetta. You know, Frank Frazetta being uh, you know the great fantasy painter who okay. inspired so many people and just made so many people get into art. Okay, and he did these great fantasy um, uh, paintings. And he just he just meant a lot to me, and I couldn't find him on you know the internet at all. Right. But I looked up in the yellow pages, and I just wrote him. Okay. And he wrote me back. He emailed me back, and he came out to visit me. Oh uh, my gosh! From Connecticut, and uh, with his new wife. And so this is a guy that you knew from when you were a kid. Yeah, growing up, and he uh, I, I learned on this that uh, although all of his artwork was destroyed. He started getting into art a couple years ago, you know, which is getting he, back into it, get, getting back into it, you know, after, um, you know, taking so much time off and, you know, dealing with the family stuff and right. the, the rigors of the professional world. But he said that um, I learned that all of his paintings, he told me when he came out to visit me that there were high quality photographs taken of them and he still had all of the negatives. Whoa. And I didn't know this. He, the, those pictures were all taken by my dad um, because he didn't want your his, dad was a fan. Yeah, he, he he didn't want his artwork to be lost. Yeah, or he just knew it was important and wonderful. Yeah. So it was you know my my fa- the last time I saw this guy was at my father's funeral over twenty years ago. Wow. So I reconnected with him and it was sort of a gift from both of them. Yeah. You know, that there was this great uh, artwork. Did he print the? He say, he sent me some of it. You know, oh. and he sent me pictures of it, and it was just it was a gift. So this is the picture that he did for me. Oh wow! Which is very enigmatic. It's just like, what is he stepping on here? You right. know, there's this light emanating from here, and it's just a very different design. He's yeah, not. Yeah, it has a shadow of the Colossus kind of feel to it, where he, it's a just a sort of a that's a Japanese uh, video game where where it's one guy and a horse, <laughs> and uh, but he goes in this amazing world. It just it looks bigger than than anything. Mm-hmm. You know. But uh, this page, very, very special to me. That's great. Um, and then this, I went to uh, the 35 Days of Kevin Eastman um, exhibit that was at Meltdown. And yep. did, he Kevin did Eastman a, on an episode of The Dork Forest. So he did a live episode uh, Wow! At, at Meltdown, at the, that Meltdown Theater that I've performed sure. at Comics and Comics mm-hmm. there. So he did this for me the opening night of that exhibit. And this is, uh, he said, should I do a turtle robot? And I said, no, do a shredder robot. And he goes, you're right, that's a much better idea. <laughs> and uh, The nicest man on the planet, by yeah. the way. And uh, and he he drew uh, tiny turtles on each of the posters that I gave out to the entire audience. Yeah, just nice guy, interesting guy. You know, being able. Kevin to Eastman, by the way, creator of the Teenage Mutant Ninja co-creator. Turtles, co-creator with Peter Laird. And, uh, if you if if you missed that episode. Uh, and this is Cassie Young. This is the the female artist that I mentioned before, who I did this earlier in January. And then you I are met- you are psyched to be standing behind that robot <laughs> because she, it's the it's the only one. It's the perspective that it's the only one that's a perspective where you're behind. Them. Yeah, that's amazing. She she definitely flipped through the album beforehand to see to Just sort come of, up with something different. That's neat. And this is the guy who draws giant robots for a living. He has books out on you know uh, he calls himself the Mecca Master. This is David White. So I mailed this to him in Massachusetts. Right, David White, MeccaZone.com. Mm-hmm. Check out his books. And I love that. That is so evil. And he just got it. And <laughs> it's pretty. Po- it's very pointy. Pointy is evil. Yes. Just so you know, and Nicole Kidman, you're evil. <laughs> and then uh, these are WonderCon pages now. Okay. This was Daniel Kana. Who was WonderCon in- just a month or two months ago, yeah. right? Yeah. So we're we're catching up here. Um, and he is definitely someone whose portfolio was What's his name, was David? filled. Uh, Dan Kana. Don Kana. Okay. Yeah. With a K. 
or Daniel, yeah, K-H-A-N-N-A, I believe. And then this guy is Stuart Sager, who did a very different approach, which is beautiful, um, and he worked very hard on this. He definitely got inspired by the project. Um, it's just all sort of mixed media, and he, he does a lot of work for the Bionicles comic book. Okay. And um, he did this, and this was great, and he was excited to be a part of it. Um, and then these are more people from... Uh, WonderCon. WonderCon. I love this guy here. That's um, uh, Ruben Martinez, I believe, did that. Oh, wow. And then this is William Stout, who did this very quickly, but he's a very famous uh, artist. Um, he does a lot of uh, dinosaur discoveries books. So okay. when new species of dinosaurs are discovered, he draws what they will actually look like. Okay. Um, so he's very scientific. So when there is a, a bad guy dinosaur monster, yeah. that's what it would look like. That's what you got to go to. And then uh, this is another guy at WonderCon. Um, and this is the last WonderCon. I was very aggressive at WonderCon as well, oh, yeah, yeah. getting pictures. And then this was at uh, Drink and Draw. Uh, I returned back. Uh, this uh, gentleman, Anthony, draws uh, Moriarty, the comic book. Oh, okay. Um, which is wonderful and everyone should check out. And then this past week in Boston, I brought it to an SCBWI conference. Uh, what is SEBWI? Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators, which okay. I mentioned before. Oh, right, right. This was, uh, before I get to that, this was at. Uh, um, Monster Palooza at Burbank, which was a few weeks ago. Oh, right. Um, Matt Weinold goes to that. Monster which was swamped. They got to move that to a bigger location. Oh, um, yeah. This is uh, David Ego. Uh, he uh, has very organic-looking robots, and this is like rising out of the water and spitting people out, and he had a lot of fun. It looks like a swamp thing robot. Yeah. It's awesome. And then this is a children's <laughs> book. This is uh, Brian Lies, who does a lot of books about bats. It's a flying bat robot, obviously evil. The robot. And then here's when we get to the Boston Comic-Con. These are four Eisner-winning artists in a row. This oh, is really? This is Bill Sienkiewicz, who was, uh, did Straight Toasters and New Mutants and Moon Knight and okay. Electra Assassin, and he won in 1987. And I just love this one. I think it's brilliant. It's really cool. Um, and he looks slightly defeated, though. He brought uh, abstraction. <laughs> robot well, I mean, it's sort of hunched over. It's like a gorilla robot. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. I, it felt like, oh, lady, what are you looking at me? Because there's a tiny lady in a picture as well. <laughs> and this is Jeff Darrow, who is incredibly detailed. And I wish I had, like, he Give did it for free. Time, I, okay. He did it for free. And right. I should have, like, paid him a ton of money. This is beautiful, but, like, he's someone who responds well to time. Right. If he could have had more time, it would have been even more detailed and more exciting. And this is uh, Scotty Young, who uh, does Wizard of Oz books, which won the Eisner last year. Okay. The best artist. And this robot is thinking something, not something good, but he's thinking about a gear. Okay. So the big guest of honor at the Boston Comic-Con, or one of them, in addition to Kevin Eastman, is Simon Bisley, who's a British artist who became really huge in the late eight, or early 90s. Uh, he started doing ABC Warriors. He wound up doing some Judge Dredd. Uh, and he became popular doing covers for like Swamp Thing and Lobo. He did a lot of the art. And he won an Eisner for doing Beautiful uh, Judgment on Gotham, a Batman comic book okay. um, where everything was painted. And people just love his stuff. His stuff goes for thousands of dollars. Right. And um, my friends run the Boston Comic Con, and they said, well, here's what we'll let you do. We'll let you moderate the panel of Kevin Eastman and Simon Bisley. They're doing a project together, Biz and Buzz. Nice. So you can introduce yourself. And he emailed him, and he says, yeah, oh, yeah, I'll do it. And uh, at the Boston Comic Con, 
Eastman and Bisley's table was mobbed. Sure. Just swamped with people. They had to move them out of the convention and into the hallway to accommodate how long the line was. Wow. So I said, you know, look, I know you're going to be really busy. And do you want to just do this sketch during the panel that you're moderating on? Because I knew I would have him then. And he said, okay, yeah, and if I don't, I'll finish it up later. And then before the panel started, he said, you know what, let's just do it later. Okay. And this guy is kind of a loose cannon, you know, doesn't stay away from the alcohol. Okay. Um, he's a party. He's, he's but, an artist, but, but man. He has, he has this great ability. He's, he's truly a unique talent in that he has no revision process. Everything for him is a first draft. He doesn't like he's the last guy who would like throw a bottle of wine at the wall in frustration that something isn't working out for him. Okay, Every, everything just flows from him, <laughs> and, and then he's done. And then he's done. Okay, and it's always beautiful. Right, and people just love his stuff. Mm-hmm. So you know that is not someone unlike Jeff Darrow who needs a lot of time. Right, but, but he's got to do it. So right. he says, uh, "I will." Let's just do it afterwards. So I go okay. to his table after the panel is over, which was a lot of fun. I did a lot of research on both of them and really tried to, you know, show them how much I respect both of their work. Right. And uh, then I go to his table and it says there's a sign there that says back at 1.30. Okay. So it comes back at 1.30 and I give him the sketchbook and then I go away. And then I come back at like 3. Right. And it says back at 3.30 and my sketchbook is still on the table and I open it up and he hasn't started. Right. And I find out, uh, they say that he's not there. You know, uh, Kevin Eastman's there. Right. Signing away. Sure. Line. They say he's at the hotel bar. Mm-hmm. So I tell this to my friend and he says, go get him. Yeah. So and I go, to, and this is in the safe room, and there's a art dealer there named Randy House mm-hmm. who... Um, What's the safe room? Where the convention is, like the the inner workings of the convention, where they're, oh, counting, okay. where they're counting the money. Oh, fair enough. enough. And um, then I, he, this guy Randy leads me to the hotel, with the beautiful hotel that they're in. And sure. He's like, okay, if you go down there, he like stops at some point. Like it was this weird sort of mythic quality to it. Like I can only take you this far in your journey. You must complete the rest <laughs> yourself. So I go down to the bar, this escalator, and there's this beautiful bar, and Simon Bisley is there, and these this guy who uh, I'm going to be honest seemed like a gangster or looked okay. like a gangster, probably not, is there with this you know beautiful Asian girlfriend, mm-hmm. like having this private commission session with him, and. It's weird that it's about art because it seemed like it was something out of Miami Vice. Right, right. You know what I mean? And he just hands him this wad of cash. This is for the stuff we're buying upstairs. And so he goes back to the convention. Simon Bisley comes back with me. He knows, like, I'm there to get him to come back to his table. And he does the sketch for me. Right. And I watch him, and it was just like the whole process of doing it. I've been looking for it for so many months. And And this is it? And this is it. Wow. It's really great. And there's just like no, like seeing, watching him do it and seeing these decisions made on the fly of yeah. like this marker, which is its, you know, 50% strength. Yeah. Like he would put it, he would start to see how it was working. He didn't know how it was going to work. Right. Before he started making the mark and how to turn that into something that he wanted was just, it was fascinating. That, uh, so, because you usually watch people draw, right? Sometimes. Sometimes I'll leave them alone. Sometimes people aren't comfortable. Right. And then this is the last one in this book that was done by a friend of mine. Oh, okay. Um, 
It's, Who's an uh, artist? There's some fire. Yeah. And uh, that's amazing. So uh, I'll just go through this one real quick. As I mentioned before, um, in January, I had this, I could have had a V8 syndrome where I started the second sketchbook. Right. So I started to order one from India, but WonderCon was coming up. I mean, as I mentioned before, I wanted to be really aggressive at WonderCon. Yeah. And uh, didn't have a chance. The, the one from India, like, was the wrong size. They shipped the wrong one, so I had to send it back. So I'm at Carter Sexton, you know, on Laurel Canyon here, the art supply store there. Okay. And I see this giant sketchbook. I've never seen one this thick before right. in this style. It's, it's got to be 300 pages, right? Three, 350 is oh, what wow. it is. So this one will last a lot longer than the other ones. It's true. So, again, I did the first one, and I put this title page here, Evil Giant Robots. Yep. And I've started this one. You know, I realize I don't have to finish it before I can give it to other artists. Oh, right, because you have the rest of your life ahead of you. Yes. And, uh... So this is Gabriel Hardman. I got that at the Shrine. And then, as I mentioned before, Art Adams is someone who's very popular right now who I wanted to get. And he right. was at WonderCon. So I go up to his table, and I'm eighth in line, as I mentioned before. Oh, right. And, uh... So I'm crossing my fingers, hoping that he's going to get to it, and I move over to the table next to him, which is Michael Golden. And Michael Golden inspired Art Adams. Art Adams got, you know, the story goes that Art Adams got into comics by reading, uh, decided to finally do it after reading Micronauts number one. Okay. Okay. The comic book. Right. Michael Golden drew the first 12 issues of Micronauts. Okay. Um, and people consider him the definitive Micronauts artist. Okay. But his star is not shining as brightly as Art Adams. You know, yeah. he said, yeah, I can get to this immediately. And he gave me a commission price, which was a little expensive. Yep. Um, but I said, yeah, let's do it. Mm -hmm. And he really took to the project. And I said, you know, this is evil giant robots. What I would like you to do, like when I have a chance to art direct someone. Yeah. I said, um, the, the villain in the Micronauts is Baron Karza okay. in, the, in the comic book and, right. you know, sort of in the toy line. Uh, it's based on the mold of uh, a toy called Jig, which was a character created by Gonagai. Not to okay. get too sidetracked here. I said, show me what the giant robot of Baron Karza would look like. Oh, okay. Um, and he's like, wow, that's, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. And... Uh, and he drew he said, and this is what he drew, and I consider this to be the best one in the in the whole series. Wow, it's really amazing. Do you have this one linked? Uh, yeah, this, there's That's a scan of this. Yes, because this is um, it's so stylized. I mean, it's so perfect, quite honestly. Yeah, the, the, just the design of this. That that guy's it's, arm, yeah, coming down to grab somebody, and then in the other hand, he's got a handful of people, yes, that he's squishing. And I love how the fingers of this one that's scooping them up are dragging on the the ground. Yeah. Because it's not like human fingers where with nerve endings, which would be like, no, I don't want to do that. That would hurt. Right. Like a robot non-nerve fingers wouldn't care. Wouldn't care. Then, it would just dig into the ground and, and get whatever. And that's Baron Karza in the back. Just the design, the execution, the rendering is all perfect. And I'm convinced that he put, this, every dime. put, put this much work into it because Art Adams was next to him. Okay. And Art Adams the whole weekend was saying, I don't want to follow that. Um, and this is what Art Adams did, which is wonderful on its own. Yeah, that's great. That's more of a scene, a bucolic scene of, of, of evil robot at play. Um, <laughs> except for that uh, play seems to be uh, destroying a, a city. <laughs> okay, so. So, uh, and then, you know, these were both done at Drink and Draw. And this one is great. Yeah. Um, this, uh, that's Pedro Maldonado. And he did that in like 10 minutes. Yeah, um, that's he's amazing. Great and, uh, he's wonderful. 
And as I was mentioning before, and hey, you know, this gig, uh, this was done in, in Ventura. Right. Um, the comic book store there, Hypno Comics. Right. Um, you did a show there. Yeah, I did a comics and comics show. Yep. And if you want to come do that sometime, they yeah. would be awesome. It's just like all road trip down there. It's an hour away. It was a blast. To go with others and, and do it. Yeah, I'd yeah. love to. I'd love to. And uh, But uh, he, the, the owner of the store does a comic book called Comic Book Junkie. And, I, and the artist of Comic Book Junkie did this page during the show. Oh, okay. And then he passed this and along. And that's comicsandcomics.net and tomfrank.wordpress.com. Tom Frank Art, right? Tom Frank Art dot WordPress dot com. That's it. And Frank is F R A N C K. Yeah. And the Facebook gallery is Tom Frank. Yeah. All of these are on my Facebook, and all of these are in my WordPress. Okay. Yeah. And I'll put a link to comicsandcomics.net as well before yeah. this goes live, so it's cool. easy to get lost. He's going to destroy the earth one day. Oh, it's a baby evil robot. Yeah, this is Dan Yaccarino, who's a big um, children's book illustrator. Oh, cool. Very, very successful. And it's weird because uh, the body of this uh, of this robot looks like one of those toys that you give to babies. It's mm-hmm. like, here's a switch you can do. Yeah. Here's a button you can do. Fisher-Price robot. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, as I was mentioning before, your husband Andy is really into the Micronauts. Yeah. Uh, the Micronauts aliens yeah. are... Um, we're the, the card art, you know, you're talking about that card before. Yeah. We're all done on these beautiful paintings. Um, uh, there were oil paintings by Ken Kelly. He was the artist, and he also did, like, the album covers for Kiss Destroyer and Love Gun. Right. So he was a big painter. Okay. And uh, This guy has, like, a hoof. Yeah. That's an awesome foot for an evil robot. But he did these paintings, and I went to him, and I gave him sort of the same art direction that I gave Michael Golden. Mm-hmm. What would Baron Cars' giant robot like? Yeah. And, and this is one of the Micronaut aliens. I said, what would the Micronaut aliens' giant robot look like? And it just sort of fried his motherboard. He didn't know how to he didn't respond know. <laughs> to it or, like, what to it do. It overwhelmed him. <laughs> and he's a big guy who relies on reference. So he just, like, was hoping he could recreate the card art that he did for a- Antron. Oh, okay. But, um, yeah, it was, it was, that's great. It's a great drawing. That is a great drawing. So what, so what's next? So you're going to go to Comic-Con probably this summer in July. Yeah. Comic-Con, the creator of Akira. Is it Comic-Con? Oh, really? Yeah. And I've even heard of that. Yeah. Uh, I I want to get, the thing about Japanese artists is it's very tough to get them. You know, I'm talking about, well, they don't like to give up their original art. They keep all of their own manga pages. It's a big cultural thing. Okay. So it was like someone like Art Adams can get his pages back, you know, after the company is, you know, Marvel's done using them and he can sell them on eBay. That's very un-Japanese. Okay, because they like to keep their own art forever. Yeah, it's like you're not supposed to do that. So um, getting any original art would be difficult. Um, And there's tons and tons of big names at... Uh, Comic-Con. There's a big convention in June, uh, Heroes World in North Carolina. Okay. And tons of artists. Is that the Hero Convention? Yes. Okay. Hero Con, Heroes, and uh, that is a real, like Boston Comic-Con, focusing on comic book artists. Oh, interesting. You know, it's not big video game presentations. Yeah, it's It's not not like, here's some, you know, 10th build actor from Twilight. Sure. It's like... (laughs) There's some people from, you know, I haven't asked this guy yet. There's someone from North Carolina who goes to drink and draw a lot who I think has experience there. And I'm trying to see if I could give him some money to bring this book to Heroes World and get some pages for me. Oh, that would be amazing. You know, the thing about getting pages is you don't necessarily want people who are going to give you the best drawings now necessarily. 
as much as you want people who are really old who might not be around much longer. <laughs> There's a, guy, a very famous artist, Earl Norum, okay. is going to be there. And he did all of these great paintings of like the Rampaging Hulk and Savage Sword of Conan and like even some Transformers stuff, you know, so he's got some robot background. But he's 88. Right. And I know he has arthritis. Oh, so okay. like I would love to get a drawing from him and wouldn't really care what it would look like. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if that's going to happen. Right. Um, and then there's one of the best robot artists going now mm-hmm. is this guy, Don Figueroa. Okay. Who, I mean, when the Transformers comic books, you know, had sort of their revival, um, I don't know, 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, it really had a big impact in that uh, the artwork just suddenly spiked. You know, there's all of these great artists drawing Transformers comic books and, you know, drawing really beautiful images of giant robots. Yeah. And he is arguably the best of that group. Okay. And he has this really interesting business model now where he and some friends, uh, he's not doing Transformers anymore. He decided to come up with his own webcomic. And he is going to launch his own toy line. And that's What's Figueroa's webcomic? Armorators. Armor? Uh, like the like the word armor? It's uh, there's an A U in there. A R M A U R D E R S. Okay, so it's our marauders. Yes. Okay. Our marauders. And that started a little bit. Are they armored robots? Yes. And the, even though a robot by definition is armored. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's there's definitely uh, modular. Um, sure. Points can, you know, uh, armor can be added. And it's it, it just designs and draws beautiful, beautiful robots. And I've known people, we have mutual friends through toy collecting circles. Sure. And, you know, they hook me up and... Uh, I am going to mail this sketchbook to him, and then the there's, first one, yeah, yeah. There, there's two other artists who are doing our Marauders with him. Okay. The whole Mechazone, and they're in Italy. So it'll go from Don, Don Figueroa will get it and then mail the sketchbook to Italy. Uh, Where does Don Figueroa pages. live? I don't know. Okay. Um, but in the United States? I have no idea. Oh, not even. Uh, I don't have that information <laughs> yet. You know, Fair I, enough. I just finished up the Boston Comic Con, so right. I, I wanted to have both of these there. You know, I'm doing a live The Dork Forest at something called Convergence okay. in uh, Minneapolis. Okay. And I don't know. It's a science. You know, I, I don't think it's – I actually don't think that there w- will be a lot of artists there because it's – even though John Kavalik goes. But I will go to their website and yeah. I will look there. And see if, if you would like me to take a book. Yes. I'll do it. Because, uh, um, you know, John Kavalik does Dork Tower. I don't know if no. you ever saw that comic strip, Dork Tower. I went to college with him, weirdly enough. We both worked at the, the, the college newspaper, but we didn't really know each other. Mm-hmm. And But I've met him over Twitter now. And then we had lunch the last time I was in Wisconsin. And he he drew a picture of me slaying a dragon. He was my, I was his <laughs> warm-up picture, he okay. said, for the day. Sure. And I said... Can you please scan that and can I have it as a as a as a as a picture for my Facebook? And then he sent me the original and I have it framed. Wow! So it's neat. So is you, this a list of the cons that you're going to? These, these <laughs> are cons, and this is what I would like. Like yeah. Anime Expo is in uh, beginning of July, and, and you they, don't they, have a list yet. Well, they don't know who their guests are. Okay, what's um, the SCBW? Oh, you just told me about Society that. of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators. Yeah, this is a guy, Tony. Uh, Dieter Lizzie. Yeah. He does uh, Spiderwick Chronicles. Oh, right. He's going to be, and he's going to be at um, Santa Monica Barnes and Noble this Tuesday. 
Um, oh, and signing I, I, some book? Yeah, signing some new book that he's got out, and I did message him on Facebook, and I haven't heard back from him. Right. Um, it would probably be easier for me to corner him at the conference, mm-hmm. you know, because that's a three-day conference, and he can take it overnight or whatever. Right, and give some time. Rather than, you know, I mailed this book to my sister in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a, a, a presentation um by Chris Van Allsburg, you know, did Polar Express and won a bunch oh, of right. Caldercots and Jumanji and uh, Garden of Abdul Ghazazi and, you know, went all the way across the country. She said, hey, you know, explain the project. And he's just like, I don't have time. Can't Fair do enough. It, you know, and I don't uh, fault get, him for that. Yeah, people get really busy and they're swamped and stuff. And so. drawing is hard. Yeah, drawing is not its not something you can just bang out if you want it to look nice. Yeah. And then these books are so beautiful that you're like, well, I don't want to do a half-assed job in one of these pages. Well, some people, like, I don't care if it's a half-assed job. Like, sure. Like, anything by, uh, I brought the sketch, I went to a screening of The Iron Giant and Brad Bird was there. Right. And, like, getting anything from Brad Bird. You know, would have been just fine. Scribble, would have been, but it just, <laughs> you're like, it any scribble at all, sir. And, you know, Miranda... Uh, works with me on this. My daughter works with me and she drew a picture for him of the Iron Giant to like try and coax this sort of drawing trade. Sure, sure. Um, And it didn't work out that night, but that doesn't mean, you know, it's that whole... There won't be a day. uh, It's not the prom thing, you know. He he owes her a drawing in some universe. (laughs) And she did the same thing with Mike Mignola at WonderCon. But... The goon. That guy? No, uh, Hellboy. Hellboy and the Goon. He did some stuff for the Goon, but the Goon or BPRD, maybe I'm thinking. It's all it's all the B- yeah. It's all the BPRD um, world, mm-hmm. uh, Abe Sapien and all that. But um, Tom Frank, it has been almost two hours. We're doing vital work here. Sorry you for continue, having so much to talk about. Well, you continue to be fascinating. And somebody requested. They said, "Hey, why didn't you just let Patrick Brady go? Uh, the the man who fixes the audio for the show can talk for hours on end, much like yourself, about his particular dorkdom, which in his case is Japanese anime. This has been fantastic. And comics and comics dot net. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll go to Ventura. Sounds That's like it. fun. And I love a new comic book store. Yep. So good times. Thanks for listening, folks. See you next time. Be safe out there. Good night. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. <laughs> my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance, then it sounds like a Mexican hat dance. It's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh, my God. We, why don't we just call that as the end of the show?